Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What is going on, everybody? Mike here from the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And what I did was I went team by team today talking about all the stuff about spring training leading up into the season, things we need to be watching for, things we have seen. And it's a long episode. I also touched on my main event team. For those who aren't aware, main event, 5 by 5 Roto, uh, no trades, fab, so there's free agency, um, through the NFBC. So broke that down, discussed that at the very end. So if you're interested in that, just skip to the end. But otherwise, uh, hope you enjoy. It's a long episode, but it's a great primer for the season. But before we get started, we have a word from our sponsor, Prediction Strike. Do you wish you could have had stock in guys like Aaron Judge or Paul Goldschmidt? Well, now Prediction Strike makes that a real possibility. Prediction Strike is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks. It's like Robinhood and DraftKings had a baby. Sandy Alcantara is up 149% over the last year, and investors are making a killing. Prediction Strike lets fans create portfolios of their favorite athletes so they can make money and get even closer to the game. Don't just draft your favorite players. Start investing in them. Simply download Prediction Strike's new and easy-to-use app from the App Store or sign up at predictionstrike.com to create an account. Use code GTE, then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players, just like you would real stocks. The value of players will change based upon game performance and supply and demand, and you can trade your shares of players at any time, as long as the player isn't currently in a game. Sign up with promo code GTE to receive a free athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off. Let's try this again. Now we are live. It should be on YouTube as well. I apologize for the inconvenience. We're going to dive right into all 30 teams today, as well as talk about my main event at the very end. We're going to discuss the lineup trends, uh, some injuries, some last-minute changes and call-ups and send-downs, et cetera, et cetera. For each team, we're going to go team by team on roster resource to do so. So let's dive right in now that uh, now that we're good to go. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about the Braves here. The Braves, 
you have a uh, Acuna at the top. That shouldn't be to be that should be expected. But see, they have Azuna plugged in here at DH. I don't know his role is going to be the everyday DH. They have other players that are going to need rest. They're also gonna. They also have. Um, they also have players like Darno who can uh, get in there at times. Hilliard, if they really want to stream a lefty over a righty, if they want to play matchups. Ozuna had a really strong spring. He's coming off a year where his power metrics were still there, but ultimately, I don't know his role. It could be weak side platoon paired with a little bit of playing time versus righties. I do think he'll play more DH than not to start the year, but then beyond that, I don't know if uh, Eddie Rosario can hold him back at this point if they really feel intent on streaming the two of them. So overall, I do really like... um I really like Ozuna for the most part because of where he's going in drafts as a cheap power source, but I don't trust it. And honestly, I don't know why Sean Murphy's batting seventh coin roster resource. Um, Murphy should be batting cleanup if if spring training lineups were any indication because spring training lineups, um, spring training lineups, I like to think they tell us a little something and that's not always the case. I mean, that's usually the case. Sorry, I'm trying to delete the last one on Twitter because Twitter is where I posted it. All right, let's get back to it. So, like I said, uh, this lineup's pretty much set in stone, though. You know Rosario's going to start the, start off the season every uh, start the season batting at the bottom of the third of the lineup. So, ultimately, I would look at uh, Murphy slotting fourth, Ozuna slotting down a little bit. Again, if the spring training lineups do hold true. Because what I will do is pull up the Braves spring training lineups real quick because I have the capabilities of doing so. And uh, if you look, troll F on Murphy... And this is that spring training lap chart I do for the Patreon. You can see Murphy has only been batting fourth minus one lineup. And this is the one lineup that I guess they are basing their assessment on. But this is also a lineup that had Hilliard batting ahead of Murphy. And I just, I don't believe one lineup should be uh, what we should expect. And I believe yesterday's lineup also had Murphy batting. I don't even have it on here, but let's let's go look at the yesterday's lineup. Yes, Murphy was batting fourth yesterday. And they didn't even have Ozuna here. That's what I'm getting at with the Braves. The Braves, I think Murphy's going to be batting in the middle of the lineup. I do think Ozuna's going to factor. I just don't know how they're going to do it because Ozuna's glove isn't great. He did come into the season with an idea of getting the arm, uh, to with strengthening his arm, but it doesn't mean it's going to lead to actually like good things in the outfield. So we have to wait and see. We're, we're entering the year wait and see mode with Ozuna, but this lineup right, that we saw yesterday should be expected for the most part. RC is going to play every day. So if you need some cheap uh, and only type of at bats and no, Matt, you did not miss the A's lineup yet. I'm starting with uh, the NL. We're going division by division, uh, but the A's lineup is ugly as hell. So uh, I don't know how far we're going to go. I have a question here. Are these players strictly in platoon Winker, Bellinger, Cassis and Friedel? I don't think so. Actually entering the year, I would have said yes to Cassis if, but Dahlbeck was sent down, so now I'm not sold that he's in a strict platoon. Friedel, they don't have enough options there to platoon everyone in the outfield, so Friedel might be in one, but I don't know if there's, I don't know if it's going to be strict. Bellinger, I think they're going to want to see what they got there. They have, I mean, unless they plan on sitting him for like a Patrick Wisdom type, but even Wisdom, I mean, they, they sent down, um, they sent down what's his face, Morel, Morel, who would have been the main guy. I figured would have platooned in center. I'm gonna get, I'll get to the Cubs. We'll talk about it and Winker. He's the most likely to platoon because they actually have depth there to platoon players, and they like to platoon players there in, um, in Milwaukee. So those we'll get to that lineup for sure. But yeah. Um, anyway, I wouldn't say we've been missing it. What did I? Oh, uh, what did I? What did I uh, miss there, Bloomfield? But anyway, yeah. So I appreciate the comments rolling in. So let's move on to. So again, I'm not really going to touch on uh, what's it called, uh, 
pitching stuff here, mostly focusing on what I know the best, and that is going to be the lineup stuff. So let's go ahead and get back to this screen. Uh, I'll share this tab instead. StreamYard is not my forte. I usually use uh, OBS, but the streaming quality is crap today. So let's go to the Marlins uh, as they load. So the Marlins are very interesting. I don't really I have a tough read on the situation because it's such a mess. I do see this top four playing out with Arias, Chisholm, Soler, Cooper batting one, two, three, and four in this lineup. That is not a question at this point. That is almost a certainty, and that should be almost on a regular basis. I know it's lefty, lefty, righty, righty, so maybe they flip-flop these two, which we have seen that happen. If they want to go lefty, righty, lefty, righty, because then there's a long run of righties here. But Garcia has been bad, not only just last year, but spring he's hitting like under 200 as well. I don't know how long Avisael Garcia's leash is going to be. Cooper should have a pretty decent leash batting in the middle of this lineup, and while not only batting in the middle of the lineup, but should be playing most days. People are concerned about his playing time. I think between first base and DH, he's going to play most days, even though they kept Yuli Gurriel. Jesus Sanchez is there. Brian De La Cruz. I don't think De La Cruz will play over Sanchez most days, but that's the thing. It's getting kind of crowded because they kept a bunch of outfielders and they kept a bunch and they have Yuli Gurriel just to add into the mix of DH and first base where I'm pointing at these two here, Soler and Cooper, because Gurriel will eat into that playing time. Sanchez... And De La Cruz, the reason why I think they kept both is I'm really questioning how long the leash is for Garcia. I know they paid him, but paid for the Marlins isn't exactly a big thing. I think they're I think the Marlins are going to try to showcase him. So if Garcia can't get going early on, I don't know if he gets benched as quickly as he might deserve to be. And then that just puts a squeeze on everything. I don't think De La Cruz is set for regular playing time or Sanchez. So with that said, I think it's going to be tough to start either one with confidence to start the year. Sanchez being a bench bat anyway for most teams or free agent type of pickup. So I don't think it's going to be uh, – I don't think it's really going to hurt anyone just to sit on Sanchez and see – well, it might hurt Sanchez if you sit on him. Huh, didn't, but uh, Sanchez is a guy that you should be watching for because if he, as a lefty, can get that uh, strong side platoon, there's appeal there. There's intrigue there because now you're getting a guy playing often, especially in leagues that you can get him at. And with power being the, you know, the stolen bases of old in fantasy, he could be a, a difference maker is a strong word, but he could be considering where you're getting him or off the, uh, off the free agency could be a difference maker in that aspect. Got some questions here. I'll get to Larnick or Gallo get more playing time in the outfield. So starting off the year, they're both going to play plenty, Eric. I, uh, I'll, and again, we're going to get to every team, but I'll answer your question real quick that um, because of injuries, they're both going to play a lot to start the year. I think Gallo might edge them out because of defensive purposes overall, but it could just play itself out given the injuries opening up playing time for both this year. I do like Larnick, though, more from a fantasy perspective. Simeone, you're such a sweetheart asking why everyone's watching this because they value my opinion more than I value my own opinion. No, um, someone called me the king of spring. I'm going to coin that term. I mean, it sounds cocky, but I really thought it was hilarious. So, uh, can you recall a time when all the Cubs outfielders were undrafted for the most part, but all are intriguing pickups? Oh, clubs. Sorry. Friedel, Fraley, Benson, Myers. How do you rank them in a five by five? So, I rank Myers ahead of them because I think Myers' playing time is the clearest. And then from there, I think it's Fraley, Benson, Friedel. I think Friedel probably plays more than Benson. I'm just a bias towards Benson. I really like Benson. So, Friedel probably ahead of Benson is the safe bet. I think. He, I think Benson's going to have to earn his playing time. But I think Friedel's the most likely to lose the playing time to Benson if anyone was to lose playing time to Benson. So I like Benson more than Friedel, but Friedel ahead of Benson is going to be the consensus and the safe play. And I actually really like Friedel. I like all the, I like all these pieces. Uh, I was up till 2.30 in the morning. Yes, I was. Anyway, so let's move on. So the Marlins are just a mess um, outside of Cooper, which I saw, I saw you, uh, Ryan, that uh, you mentioned. You like Cooper there. I think he's just a safe, solid source of RBI. 18 20 ish home runs projections probably have them around there 
he's gonna he's just quietly good you know he's gonna hit for good average he's he's almost like a poor man's Ty France if he could just stay healthy that's really how you should put it like if you like if you want bat some batting average help some a little bit of pop some RBI help he is a poor man's Ty France just he can't stay healthy to put up that type of Ty France season so let's go ahead and move on to the Mets which the Mets are cut and dry as well they cut Brett Beatty but I think Beatty's gonna be up sooner than later so there's not really much there for that Escobar whatever Omar Narayas, whatever Mark Cannon is going to play just about every day. Uh, Tommy Pham is interesting in NL only leagues because I think Pham takes that rough role in terms of uh, playing the short side platoon while also getting some fourth outfielder work. And, you know, this outfield, I just mentioned a few names, not going to be healthy all season long. Pham can slot right in. I don't know. Um, he, Yeah, he is being slept on, actually. So Friedel, someone commented in the uh, – sorry, I can't – I don't speak the language of your name. Uh, Friedel has a 267, 354, 533 slash line. Eight home runs, two stolen bases uh, when he was called up in August last year. He did, it was weird. He had like a weird slash line because uh, he was actually unlucky towards the end. I remember looking it up. He was unlucky towards the end in terms of bad Babbitt luck, bad batting average luck. I think people just don't trust him to hold the playing time. I like Friedel. I like all the rate uh, the Reds guys. That's the thing. So when I say I like Benson more, it's because I'm betting on the flashy skill set more. But ultimately, I like all these guys and I have all, I have shares of all of them among my, across my teams. So the Reds guys, uh, and you and you brought up and you brought up the bad Babbitt. Yeah, the Babbitt. He should actually. He actually had bad Babbitt. Look, I think that'll improve. Anyway, back to the Mets. Escobar again, not a guy I want long term. I think I think Brett Beatty comes up sooner than later. He's a guy that I would actually prefer to have and let Escobar. And unless Escobar continues, I mean, he had a scorching hot September. I have a hard time believing that's going to carry over though. After five months of mediocrity, I know he dealt with some, I believe, lingering issues, injuries, and such in the beginning of the year. But solid team. It's hard to really nitpick and. uh there's not really much to break down here, so we'll move on to the Nationals, where there's so much to talk about because there's so much bad. Um, so Lane Thomas should start the year starting off, uh, leading off. And the funny part is, is Dom Smith. You know, we all are still dreaming on Dom Smith after that 2020 breakout in that you know shortened season. He's going to be batting second. I think that's actually going to hold true entering the year. Don't know how long it holds beyond you know a little bit, but C.J. Abrams this offseason has been putrid. I don't think he's going to hit himself up anytime soon. Consider he's going to take some time to 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 develop. I do think Abram still has a fantasy viable skill set. Even batting at the bottom of the lineup, we could see some solid speed production. But it could be a one category type of thing. So be aware that he could sink you in the other categories as a eight spot hitter, uh, with stolen bases being the primary source of his uh, of his interest and his and his fantasy goodness. I should say, um, Luis Garcia is a favorite of mine. Batting sixth or seventh should be about right in this lineup, and that's. A decent spot, not great. I mean, this lineup's not going to turn over as much as others, so he's still going to get less play appearances than your average six or seven spot hitter. But if you look, putting him sixth allows them to do that lefty righty lefty righty thing all the way through the lineup. If that's a if that's what they want to do, we saw guards and you know Thomas has struggled against righties in the past. Lane Thomas, so his leadoff, and we've seen him dip down in the lineup against righties in the past. So if he can't come out the gates swinging against righties, maybe Garcia as a lefty can push for some leadoff spot, um, some leadoff run sooner than later as well against righties it's going to it's going to be on garcia and abrams the uh, coach has already the, the manager has already said that garcia and abrams are going to have to hit their way up essentially and earn it but look who they're looking at them candelario dickerson joey manessis we'll talk about him in a second uh dominic smith those aren't exactly world beaters those aren't exactly guys like that should hold them back so so at the end of the day i do think Garcia and Abrams will move up. It's just a matter of if they perform. Manessis is an interesting guy. I'm not in on him. I am afraid of missing out. I mean, I think the, the two flashy home runs he hit, I believe it was for Mexico during WBC, 
was uh what caught everyone's attention but then he came back and was a pumpkin for spring what were his stats one second i will pull those up because his stats and spring stats don't matter i'll be honest with you they don't but i do like to see if a player that finishes hot starts spring good like kind of carries that momentum over and yeah people forget Manessa is like a 30 year old rookie like it's he's far from a sure thing and in spring a 436 ops a sub 200 batting average granted we're talking 39 plate appearances but it's still one of those things where it has my attention just because i don't i don't buy into these types of players i mean schwindel is the the lazy comp but it's the most notable recent comp in terms of a late career breakout randomly for like a month or two in a season and then to nothing nessa has the same type of potential for that to happen because there's a reason why he was 30 years old before he made his de- debut is how I look at it. Some decent numbers in the minors, so he's not like a nobody. But at the end of the day, I don't trust it, so I'm not buying it. Uh, Alex Call, for you NL-only uh, players, he's going to be the fourth outfielder. We see, we've seen Victor Robles not only struggle with injury but performance. Not saying that Call is going to make a great center fielder, but Lane Thomas could play center field. And Call could easily – not only will he be a, a, weak side, a weak side platoon mate, between Corey Dickerson and others, but he will also factor into the outfield mix as a whole as a fourth outfielder. But path to playing time for Alex Call is there and should be uh, noted for deeper leagues because you know sometimes you just need play appearances and he's kind of that guy. All right, the the next roster we're going to is the Phillies. We're finishing off with the Phillies, and the Phillies here are decimated by injury. <laughs> And it's unfortunate. It's it's rather unfortunate. You know, Hoskins out for the year with the ACL. So Derek Hall's going to get some first base run. In spring, he has like a 15% strikeout rate. And the strikeout issues were the big issue for Hall last year when he came up. But the power has always been legitimate. And there's never been a question about the power. So ultimately, if you want a big power bat, somebody who can hit 30. If he hit 30 home runs with, because of his the, the run he's going to get this year, now that he's going to get full probably close to 500 plate appearances or more, if he can just not suck completely. <laughs> He has 30 home runs. Now he can hit 230 in the process. But if you're looking for a big bopper at the end of drafts, look no further than Derek Hall. And batting fourth or fifth, like in that lineup, is very doable considering, again, if they want, if they value that power in the middle of the lineup and the lefty bat because it allows them to go, again, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, which is a trend you'll see lineups be righty, lefty, righty, lefty, all the way down. So ultimately, Derek Hall. He's a guy that I really like late in drafts for power, but a guy that I think can move his way up the lineup that we saw move up the lineup last year was Alec Bohm. I'm going to check his stats out real quick because Bohm was a guy that this spring put on some you know muscle, all that didn't matter. But I was curious to see how the power production would, would work because we know Bohm. One thing we know about Bohm is he has a hit tool, a really good one at that. And this spring, he has an 841 OPS. He has uh, eight extra base hits out of his 13. That could be something. It could be nothing, but it's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's nothing because we know Bohm to be a good hitter, and if he can turn some of those extra base hits, some of those fly balls into home runs with that added uh, the added power he intended on, at least what I would think you put muscle on for. If you put that ten to fifteen pounds of muscle on and you put it to work, I think that's worth monitoring. Now you know you're what you're getting there. You know Bohm's going to give you like a two seventy batting average with uh, like fifteen home runs and just be a solid producer. But if he's hitting 270-ish and that set, that 15 home runs turns into 20 to 25, you're getting a little bump there without having to pay the price for that bump. So draft him for his floor, or if you draft him for his floor, be happy. You kind of know what you're getting. But the fact that there is a potential for power gain here for Alec Bohm is intriguing and something worth remembering and keeping an eye on early in the year. That's what we're doing here. And it goes back to – it's just a reminder that um don't like stats don't matter, but 
when you're looking for a player to do something, like you just take a look at the stats and see what they're doing and see, and then you're watching to see if it carries over. The stats don't necessarily mean it's going to, it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, this is encouraging. You see that you see it in real time in a small sample. Maybe it could just maybe he can just again carry it over. That's all I care about. Now, the last guy here I mentioned is Edmundo Sosa. Because talk about big springs, he had he had one, and he's gonna play against lefties at the very least. But one injury to a Bryson Stott, one injury to he played all over the field this spring too. One injury to Brandon Marsh, probably. I don't know about center field, but you get my point. Uh for uh and Mundo Sosa could easily work his way up the lineup, and it wouldn't surprise or shouldn't surprise anybody in the process. Somebody asks, uh, worst lineup, A's or Nats? I actually think the Nats are worse. I like maybe I just have some uh interest, intrigue, and interest in the A's. I really like the A's. Um, because of deeper leagues, though, not because they're actually good. There are some intriguing pieces to that lineup, whereas the Nationals, outside of one player, I have no real interest. And then that one player being Luis Garcia, one of my guys this year that I really like. Because there's power, speed, and uh, former top prospect, a lot of youth there. So yeah, this team, um, Amundo Sosa's guy, just keep an eye on him because if he turns into a bigger role, can carry over some of what we're seeing in spring. There is some offensive fantasy juice there. Uh, let's actually pull up his line real quick before we move on. He has yeah four home runs, two stolen bases, bang 364 with a 1120 1126 OPS. So I mean, again, it's spring training, but that's the type of thing you see. Okay, okay, that jumps off that jumps off the page. So uh, maybe. Maybe that will as well. Maybe he can as well in season. Um, so we're moving over to the NL. Let's get to the Brewers. Here we go. So everyone likes everyone. We talked about the Brewers a little bit earlier, but so they show everyone platooning. And the problem is with this team, they can they can make it happen. Uh, Luke Voigt did sign a one year deal, so he is going to be on the team now. I don't know if he's going to strictly platoon though. I think I could see him, but at the end of the day, he also I'm not seeing a clear spot for him not to strictly platoon. So it'll be interesting to see how Luke Voigt's playing time plays out, but he earned a spot on this roster to, uh, to say the least. Plus, you know, Jesse Winker isn't going to stay healthy. There's a clear path to playing time there against, uh, against lefties at the very least. And one injury to a Jesse Winker or Rowdy Telez, And he is the next man up my boy, my guy on this team, Bryce Terang guy I've been betting on. I just drafted him again last night. I drafted him in my main, he made the team and the other two, you know, uh, Joey Weimer and Sal Freelich, Freelich, I believe. Uh, those guys are going to be up sooner than later, so add those guys to your watch list. If you're in deeper leagues, Bryce Trang should be rostered, but if he's not, either change that or put him on your watch list. He's a guy with um very Gene Segura-ish. Was like, and I end up comping. I end up looking at his stats, and someone asked me him or Gene Segura, and I'm like, Terang and Segura are kind of the same guy. The difference is Segura being the safer bet, you know, playing he's gonna hit higher in the lineup, so he gets more play appearances, worse ballpark. But Terang, he has the speed. He has the batting average and on-base ability. Can Terang get some of that power boost from that park is kind of where I'm betting on it. I think 10 to 12 home runs is fair. 15, a 15, 15 season is probably like best case scenario. But if he did, if he went 10, 20, that also can happen because Terang, what he was, I believe he was like 32 for 34 in the base pass last year in the minors. It's a skill of his. He can run like stolen bases are a skill. He's an efficient base runner. The new rules play to his favor. If he hits eight home runs, that's also an outcome. But again, 20, 20 stolen bases is not out of the range of possibility. But if you expect like a 10, 10 or 10, 15 type of year from him and get anything else, 10, 12, whatever it is, Terang is kind of giving, I think he can give you that. And that's like a floor. I think he's a higher floor type. Again, Segura feels like a good comp here and you don't have to pay the price of Segura and Terang shortstop eligible should gain second base eligibility. Segura, speaking of Segura, because we passed the Marlins already, he's going to bat like six in lineup, whatever, but he's going to gain third base. So know that. I'm trying to think I should have mentioned some eligibility as we went along here. I'll try to remember that as we go. Uh, Brian Anderson, sneaky good spring this year. A solid player. Nothing special, nothing flashy, but you know what you're getting there with Anderson. 
and there's playing time there. He's going to play right field to start the year after they sent down all those other guys. And while Tyrone Taylor is recovering, so it might be a short term thing. But in the, in the, for the short term, you know, you're getting some decent stats. Brian Anderson is interesting and useful. Jesse Winker, I believe Jesse Winker was having a decent spring. I'm going to look that up real quick because Winker, the reason why I bring that up and even mention is you want to see him healthy. You know, he came into the spring, wasn't exactly healthy. No, he didn't. So last I looked, he had a decent spring, but then he since sucked. Um, 632, five OPS, pretty much uh, 200 batting average. Twice as many walks, six, compared to strikeouts, three. So Winker still showing the on-base potential. But if he doesn't get going early on, maybe Luke Voigt can get some play appearances over him as he, as we see, uh, as we see Winker struggle. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, sneak, he's another guy that sneaky pop. He entered the year last year. The home runs weren't there. They haven't been in the minors. But the, what caught my attention was he increased that ground ball rate so much when he came up. It just didn't turn into power. It just never turned into those home runs. But I think he was like a 20% ground ball rate. It was stupid low. And we know the speed's there. We know the batting average. We know the hit tool's there for Garrett Mitchell. I think Mitchell could surprise us with some power. Four home runs this spring. Six extra base hits out of his 10 hits. 60% of his hits have been extra base hits this spring. And I, t- I take notice of that because we saw him. And maybe it might be in part due to selling out for power, but he still has a 300 batting average. So the hit tool isn't going anywhere. The, I think that's still a skill. I think there could be sneaky double-digit power here that we weren't exactly expecting. And that ballpark will play to that. So seeing the seeing that ground ball rate and fly ball rate, when he came up last, late last year for that cup of coffee, or for that not a cup of coffee, it was a, an actual run. And I think there's some power there, some, some hidden power we might see from Garrett Mitchell this year. So if you didn't draft him for power, maybe you'll get a little extra home runs, but you know the speed's there. You know the batting average should be there. Let's move on to, is it going to be the Cardinals? Oh, well, this one's fun. Jordan Walker made the team. Carlson, the coach, came out and said that he's going to be a defensive replacement for guys like Jordan Walker. So Walker might lose the occasional plate appearance late in games if that's the case. But ultimately... Walker is going to play every day until he proves he can't type of thing. If he gets sent down, it wouldn't be a surprise just because rookies struggle. He's a stash if he gets sent down, but I but he's breaking the he's breaking camp with the team and should bat in the bottom third of the lineup. Gorman suddenly becomes more intriguing because I think Gorman is going to get the strong side of a DH platoon. We saw him kind of act in that manner last year. Same thing with Carlson. We saw Carlson act as a weak side platoon slash switch hitting bat off the bench, which is and a defensive replacement. That's what they talked about utilizing utilizing him as in this article I read yesterday. So Carlson, understand that uh, understand that Carlson isn't going to be fantasy relevant anytime soon. That added muscle did not help him from striking out thirty percent of the time this spring, which that kind of matters when you're trying to make the team as a starter when you're trying to prove that you belong as an everyday player in a lineup. If you're not performing in ways that they want you to spring stats suddenly matter, but Gorman power strikeout issues might hit 230, could hit 25 bombs. If he, if he plays enough, I just don't know if he's going to play enough. Uh, the rest of this lineup, Tyler O'Neill. So, Oh, let's talk about this. So Brandon Donovan, Lars new bar at the top of the lineup against righties. Absolutely going to happen. Um, at least from the looks, it's been like three or four straight lineups. We've seen this. Oh, here we go. Uh, I don't think Gorman. No, I think they're going to platoon. So someone asked Eric asked if uh, Gorman and Carson are going to platoon. I don't think they're going to platoon necessarily in the way that people I think in the outfield. I think it's going to be a DH platoon where Gorman plays DH against righties, maybe get some second base run. If anybody plays outfield, it's going to be Edmund or Donovan most likely. But they also have Alec Burleson that'll factor in. But regardless, no. Uh, long story short, no. Gorman should not gain eligibility in the outfield. Meanwhile, like save versus lefties. Carlson comes in and plays the outfield. You might have a different person playing DH is all. That's all that is. Um, I don't see Gorman gaining outfield ability. Someone said, I'm the man. I appreciate you, David. You're the man for supporting the show. Uh, 
Yes, and I was getting to that. Edmund's gonna face. Uh, Edmund's gonna lead off when facing lefties. Thank you for commenting that. Edmund's gonna face uh, lead off facing lefties. You're gonna have Newt Bar and Donovan batting top two facing righties to start the year. From what it looks like, O'Neill's gonna bat second against lefties, and it looks like sixth. Otherwise, I think it's appropriate. Maybe I could see. I could see um, O'Neill batting seventh, and they flip flop Gorman just to get a lefty in there because at that point it's four straight righties. So if if O'Neill bats seventh, that wouldn't be too much of a surprise. But ultimately, sixth or seventh. O'Neill against righties, but he's going to play every day. He's going to play center field, and I think he's in for a bounce back year. I think I think O'Neill can bounce back. It shouldn't surprise anybody if he does. Um, again, it goes back to the bench stuff. Burleson's interesting if there's an injury, fourth outfield type. Uh, Yepes got sent down, obviously, but if he comes up, he's a DH type. We know he can hit, but he hasn't really put it together for long, for other than like short spurts here and there. The cut, wait, 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 let's talk eligibility here. I just remembered Walker's going to gain outfield, obviously. And I don't know about anybody else here. So that's about it. Uh, Cubs. This one was interesting because all spring long, uh, Christopher Morell. Morell actually uh, wasn't playing third base, which I was all right, cool. I'm off of him anyway. He's not going to have an everyday role. I figured Morell could be a utility type come day one. Morell, last I checked, and we'll see, he was already sent down. But uh, I think he was striking out 40% of the time in spring. And I'm sorry, a 910 OPS though. And a 269 batting average. I was like, all right, cool. He's but here's the thing about Morel. He has the tools. No one questioned the tools about Morel. No one questioned the tools about Morel. Um, Morel was a solid like contributor, but he his like after that little hot run when he got called up last year, we saw him kind of get put into this weird role of like a couple days a week here, like platoon-ish, not quite. And then ultimately in spring, he they they obviously want to see what they have in guys like Rio. So yeah, uh, Morel struck out 42% of the time. So sure, you can have power and speed, but you need to be able to hit the baseball first. And if you're striking out 42% of the time in the minor, or sorry, against minor league pitching for the most part, because obviously he's, saying he's facing some major league pitching. I have a hard time believing that that suddenly would improve drastically come opening day. So at the end of the day, I really do like, uh, I, I really never really was in on him, and now he's not draftable. And then this, so that guy, so it's guys like Edwin Rios become very intriguing because yes, he has some swing and miss in his game, but not to a point where it usually hinders his overall production. Rio should have a more regular role, depend, but I'm still not sure he it's even his role at third base in DH because you guys you have guys like Patrick Wisdom who will have him who has been playing right field, so maybe they can move Wisdom around. But it's almost like a perfect platoon fit. I know Wisdom's probably I think he's I think Wisdom's pretty much better defensively, so that might factor. But in terms of lefty righty splits, they both struck out a ton. They both hit for a lot of power. They can make a perfect platoon match at third base. But then you have Magical, who also got a ton of run at third base this spring. So he's going to factor in. So it might not be so cut and dry as we think, but I think Edwin Rios will get a, a solid run at at least DHing and playing third base against uh, righties as the left-handed bat. And someone asked me here thoughts on Ash, Ashcraft. I just I'm afraid of. I think he'll get. I think he's he's showing promise. Ashcraft. We're going to get to the rights here shortly, actually. But Ashcraft is a guy that um I don't ever trust. It's just Reds pitching, but ultimately there's upside there. And I think he has some stuff to be interesting. Just know that wins can be an issue. And of course, if he gets Great America small parked, that can also be an issue. But ultimately, where he's going in drafts, very little risk. There's reward there. Um, but going back to this, um, Master Boney. Oh, man, I think it's Miles Master Boney. I don't know how to say it. I apologize. But uh, he's going to take that morale role where he's going to be the uh, util type, I believe. Madrigal is going to factor into the infield. Don't really have much. Uh, Terrence, obviously, backup catcher. Well, not even. Where's uh? Yeah, there's John Gomes. Terence can be a catcher for. I don't. I'm surprised he, he's on here. I, don't, I just don't think he'll. Or he's not going to be there long. I don't know. Anyway, looking at this lineup, pretty as expected. Horner leading off. Ian Hatbang third. Trey Mancini's having a nice little spring, and it's good to see him bounce back after that 
rough second half with Astros. I forgot what it was. There was something that was hindering him, I believe that, but he's got, he made a point to correct that in the spring. Bellinger is still Bellinger power speed, but will he hit 200 again? Uh, there's a likelihood of that. I, I was watching some of his at bats this spring and the high fastball was still getting him, but he is Cody Bellinger and his strikeout rate was only 15.7% this spring. I think that matters a little bit for him, but he was also, you know, three home runs, one stone base batting 200 also within the range of outcomes for Cody Bellinger. Um, Eric Hosmer, the fact that he's up over Matt Mervis upsets me, but it is what it is. I don't know. Hosmer has a, uh, and only appeal he's going to play. So we can move on to the pirates, which this team has deep league implications here. You have um, McCutcheon. I do buy McCutcheon playing DH. They have Choi on the strong side of platoon of Santana, but all spring long, we've seen Santana getting all uh, pretty much all. I know Choi's come back from injury, but we've seen Santana getting all the run with that, with the, with the regulars batting fourth. I haven't seen, where is Choi? Let me see last time Choi even. Choi hasn't, he started the day before, but Santana was in the lineup. Also with him, Troy hasn't started. Troy hasn't been starting with the regulars here. Let's look at this. Share this. So you look at this um, team roster here, and Troy hasn't been starting with the regulars. When he does, you have Santana in him. You have Troy here. Santana's here. Troy here. Not all the regulars. When you have all the regulars, like this lineup has a lot of them. Pretty much most of them against even against the righty. Santana also. I know Troy's obviously the lefty. A weak side platoon for Santana isn't out of the question, but I think Santana opens the year starting as the uh, regular first baseman. And I think that he was hindered. Santana was hindered by the shift a ton after like a couple starting like two or three years ago. Still has really good strong uh, power uh, power metrics. Still has really good plate discipline, elite plate discipline at that. Good contact skills. I think Santana could be in for a little bounce back. And he's a very intriguing corner infield option in the reserve rounds or has been. Swinsky, power or bust. We just talked about Bellinger being like a 200 hitter, but can hit for power and speed. I think Swinsky could hit. I think he has 30 home run upside. But I don't think he's going to hit the ball enough to get it <laughs> or maybe lacking that, that swing miss could cause him to not play enough to get to get there. But ultimately, if you expect 20, 25 home runs, that's there. It's just he can hit 220 in the process. But Sawinski is a very intriguing guy. Uh, Smith and Jigba, I believe is how you say it, is uh, looks like he would be my favorite to make right field. He's been getting a lot of the run there lately. And Jiwan Bay playing second base with Castro. Like, I think Bay is going to play enough around the field to gain some eligibility at second base he's alpha eligible i don't know if castro is gonna necessarily hold him back i don't think he's had a good spring either actually and spring stats will matter when you're fighting for position yeah you have you have smith and jigba who had a really strong spring and right field for the taking i think it's his yeah bay had a rough spring and so did um i think where is it where's he at oh my goodness oh castro castro 604 ops 20 strikeouts um which ended up being a 34.5% strikeout rate for him. Bay, 22% strikeout rate with a 547 OPS. Neither one of these guys are relevant outside AL only anyway. Um, is Yandi an everyday player? Yes, he is. Yandi Diaz will be leading off and playing third base and first base for that team, for the for the Rays. That's my take on that, on them. Um, anyway, back to them. So Kutch, very intriguing, should bat third just every day. Farewell tour, he's going to play as much as he can handle. I think Kutch has 2010 potential. We've seen him do it recently. He still has really good speed. He's going to play every day. I think he's a solid. He's just a solid contributor, and he's kind of just forgotten about in drafts. I he's gonna he's probably gonna be a starting outfielder for most five outfield leagues come uh, sooner than later. Other than that, it's just a bunch of mess that nobody really cares about. Brian Hayes is interesting actually because uh, so he's same thing with Bohm. He 
put on power. He put on muscle with the intent of trying to stay healthy and hit for more power this spring. Yesterday, anyway, I tweeted it out just how good he has been this spring, but it's not even how good he's been. It's the fact that he's had four home runs and six of his 13 hits being extra base hits over a thousand OPS for Brian Hayes. Just another thing that we're kind of watching as he, and as we enter the season, can Hayes uh, continue that growth there? Can we, can we see a, a power outbreak that maybe we never thought was there? Okay. One second. Need some water. I'm going to change over to the new team now. O'Neill Cruz. I, I mean, I don't know if we should even talk. Like, I'm not talking about the obvious names here. Those guys, O'Neill Cruz, Brian uh, Reynolds, they're going to play. Reds. Let's get to the Reds. Uh, so here we go. I don't know why. I don't think Friedel's batting second. I don't think. Oh, oh Votto out. Let's see what they've been doing in the last few lineups. Because Votto was obviously going to be plugged in there. How did they move? They moved Friedel up to. They moved Friedel up second once. So I don't know what their plans are. They've been. It's the problem is they've been getting Votto. Let's see what were they doing before Votto. So before Votto, Stevenson was actually batting second a lot. Will Myers would get some run at a play, a batting second. So Stevenson, Friedel did get a couple starts there. It's just hard to say that he will necessarily because they also have Fraley who they like. So we're watching out. But at the end of the day, they could just easily slot him up there, Stevenson up to second, and kind of just let that fall in place. Fraley fourth, Friedel down here somewhere too. It's But at the end of the day, I really like this lineup as a whole. I'm really in on Jonathan India. I like what I saw this spring. He's making adjustments. He's feel, he's feeling more comfortable to play. India's walking a ton, striking out very little, and power. There's a little bit of power there. Definitely some speed and definitely some batting average. And leading off and gets a play every day at Great America Small Park. Love it. Will Benson, a lot of flash, a lot of fantasy juice. A lot. Of, there's also swing and miss in his game. So be aware that it could come with a bad batting average. But Benson, starting the year, should have an everyday role at least on a strong side platoon. But he, if fairly, who's known to get injured or struggle or can struggle or Friedel struggles when bottle returns and Myers needs to shift back to the outfield. I still think either a, one of these guys will stay as a fourth outfielder or B Benson gets sent down because he has three options. So does Fraley. So they, they have, they have ways of keeping whoever in lineup performs. So just know that uh, Benson has a lot of power speed upside. Friedel has some power speed. Fraley has some power speed. There's a lot of fantasy goodness here and all very cheap and all, and there's a lot of just overall potential, I don't see why not targeting this lineup. Just again, you're, this is one of the best ballparks to hit in, if not the best ballpark to hit. You want a piece of this lineup, even though it's on paper, it's ugly. It, for fantasy purposes, it's really, uh, really solid. In terms of, uh, there's not really any interest here. I still hold out hope for Barrero, but I expect him to play very little without injury, even though Kevin Newman offensively shouldn't be. <laughs> I don't know why they went out and did that. Let's move on to the D-backs. This one was interesting. We saw yesterday that the D-backs, the D-backs haven't been leading off Corbin Carroll like they have been all spring now that we've seen some regular lineups. That was intriguing to me because I think Carroll will hit his way up sooner than later, but we saw this manager and we saw this team lead off Josh Rojas plenty last year. Rojas could start the year leading off at least in a platoon. Uh, could be a strong side platoon leading off, but nevertheless, he could be leading off. McCarthy batting in the bottom third of the lineup I think that's more likely than where they have him slotted batting third. We've seen McCarthy have one good half of baseball and everyone assumed he'd just be that guy. I'm not sold on it. And McCarthy's having a really bad spring. So that's just some uh, bias <laughs> kicking in there. Some I'm talking like a sub 500 OPS, sub 200 batting average. Last I looked. Uh, Thomas should play a, a, at least strong side platoon, but his glove is really good. And they talk about how good his glove is. But if they if they care about the offensive production, we saw Carroll play center field yesterday, so I think they'll trust Carroll with that speed and range to cover a center if necessary. 
And, t- and believe it or not, um, McCarthy's best defensive metrics last year came at center. So ultimately, if they need to move on from Thomas, they can. But it's still going to be iffy. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel, see, they have him here. I think Lourdes Gurriel bats third. Strong plate discipline, strong batting average floor. There is some pop there people forget about because he had such a down year in power. But he's shown off some solid pop in spring, and I think he can definitely get back to being a decent hitter. So Lourdes Gurriel is not somebody we should be uh, we should be sleeping on too much there. Nick Ahmed's going to play every day. Gabriel Moreno, let's talk about it real quick. I see a lot of Kybert Ruiz in him. And that's not a bad thing. And I think that's where he's going or where, where he's been going in drafts. Is there some raw power upside? Absolutely. I think he has a 50 grade raw power, but we haven't seen that translate to game power. And that is what counts. So if Moreno hits 10 home runs, nobody should be surprised. But if it's 20, it's also within the realm of possibilities. I'm just not banking on that. I think, like I said, I think it's more of a Kybert Ruiz type of production. Strong floor, good batting average, won't hurt you but isn't the league winner that some people might think he is just because he's that top prospect that was traded for and has a clear path of playing time now that uh, Carson Kelly has that broken forearm. Longoria should factor, Luis should factor against lefties, but it's hard to say that. I'm sure, again, they'll play in and out as well for depth purposes, days off, et cetera, but I don't see a regular role for those guys at all to start the year. And so if Carroll bats fifth, a little less play appearances, but hitting, moving, hitting his way up, I think is, as long as if he starts off strong, there's no reason why he would move. He wouldn't move up. Same with McCarthy. If he does shake off these bad, this bad spring training starts off, hits the ground running they're, he's they're going to move pieces as they perform. So I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't stick to like watching this lineup too, too, too hard, uh, too much because they also last year tend to move players around in general. So just be aware though. And McCarthy starting off sixth, seventh, eighth in the lineup, Will hurt his production though, of course. So early in the year, maybe he's a buy low if you're in trade leagues, but I'm just, I also am just not in on him. There's that. Duval versus, uh, versus Larnick. That's tough. Um, I think I've trust, if you're looking long term, I think Duval plays more. I do think I do like Larnick more if I had to pick between the two, at least for the short term. But if you're looking for a long term fix, I do think Adam Duval would be your play. I preferred Larnick though. Um, I, I don't know if, I just don't know if Larnick will have a role come. When everyone returns Dodgers, let's move over to the Dodgers. Miguel Vargas is going to gain second base eligibility. We'll get that out of the way. He's going to play just about every day, bat towards the bottom third of the lineup. I don't think Thomas is an everyday player. They have him here. They don't, they don't even have him here platooning. I think they don't even Outman here platooning. What do they think? They called Outman up with two. They kept Hayward and kept Outman, who had two options. They, you think they kept him up not to play him? Sorry, Ross Reese worse. You do a great job giving me a list of names, but I'm going to argue with you. James Outman's going to play center field, I think, on a strong side platoon. That's my opinion. And I think he bats right around here in the lineup as well, six, seven, eighth. Um, you have Betts, who's going to gain some. I think he's going to play enough second base. They mentioned about 20 games, so we'll see. I think by that's going to be with Vargas getting days off. It's not going to be because Vargas, unless Vargas completely struggles. But uh, this lineup should be about what you expect. J.D. Martinez batting in the middle somewhere. Max Muncy, Will Smith, all right there. David Peralta is going to be a strong side platoon guy as well. Yeah, so Chris Taylor, I'm not in on him. I think he plays a little bit versus righties. He'll give Miguel Vargas some days off at shortstop, but and he's going to be a super util type. So Taylor will play as needed, but the strikeout issues are there even in spring. And he's going to be a weak side platoon guy. I think he, I think Peralta, uh, Outman, pick your poison. He's going to weak side platoon. I don't understand how Jason Hayward made this team. Maybe it was as a favor to uh, Freddie Freeman, who really likes him and wanted him. I don't know. Doesn't make sense to me. But yes, this team pretty cut and dry. We can move on from them as well. Go to the oh, I'm already like uh Giants. A, t- a player no one's really talking about that they should be more in on is Lamont Wade Jr. Leading off, should play first base, has first base outfield eligibility. That's that. Estrada, 
I think he'll bat towards top lineup, but we did see him slide down recently in spring against righties, which is also a possible outcome given the fact that they have like 30 lefties. Um, they can easily like, and then when uh, Hanniger returns, they have to figure that out. Conforto could bat second, could bat fourth, could bat fifth. It wouldn't surprise me. But Jock, Conforto, Hanniger, Estrada, Wade should be top five in some way, shape, or form most days. And then you have Platoon City incoming uh, if they can. Obviously, the problem is, again, they have so many lefties. They don't have enough righties in the outfield. But because of how they like to utilize uh, platoons, a guy like Bryce Johnson, if he makes his team, assuming he is, he's a lefty or he's a switch hitter, he could easily platoon as a righty with these guys. Wilmer Flores will factor. J.D. Davis, we know, will factor in at first base and third base. They've actually been playing J.D. Davis at first base a lot this spring, but maybe they put him at third base, VR to first base, whatever. I and mean, VR's gloves better at third base. Ultimately, you know what you're getting here. You're getting a bunch of uh, platoon situations, but a bunch of solid fantasy contributors. And I'd be surprised. I think Jock would platoon over Conforto, at least initially, just because of how strict they were with Jock's platoon last year. Maybe they want to see if Conforto can come back and not be complete waste against lefties. Whereas I feel like they they already they already feel, they already feel that way against with Jock. Uh, Blake Sable, all the hype is around him. He made the team rule five pick. Great spring. The big thing about him catcher eligibility. I think Sable can be viable as a catcher two in leagues. I drafted him last night as a catcher two, and uh, I think that's very within the realm of possibility. And he could play outfield. So the thing is, is he's backup catching depth here. He can also play the outfield. He's expected to play both. And if he can actually pick up where he left off in spring, he's going to be, a, he's going to play more times than not. And the D, they have him slotted in that DH. I think he'll factor into DH. I don't think necessarily he'll get it every day. But again, as a lefty, it favors them if they want to play platoons, which the Giants are known to do. So Blake Sable's a guy you need to know about for sure. I'm I'm slowing down here. We have 18 more teams, 17 more teams. This is how I do my articles. I get really hyped, really into it. And I'm, and I'm dead by now. Um, Bogart's leading off, not going to happen. Uh, maybe to start the year, though, I will give him that. Maybe to start the year because we saw Bogart's begin spring training leading off. But we also seen Trent Grisham getting a lot of run against righties leading off. So we could see maybe Grisham, who has led off in the past against righties plenty, see Grisham lead off against righties until Fernando Tatis Jr. returns. And then Bogart's gets lefties because Bogart's numbers against lefties are really strong for his career. But Bogart's will be batting cleanup more times than not. Uh, Carpenter, see, to start the year, I think I don't see David Dahl. I don't see them carrying a bench DH. I think Nelson Cruz is going to DH to start the year. They've been playing Carpenter at first base all spring. Carpenter plays first base, Cronenworth the second, um, Kim to right field was my argument. But if they don't want to do that, then yes, there is gonna, something's going to have to give between these two, and Cruz could be screwed. I just, Dahl has not been good. I don't know, is Dahl really going to be a better outfielder than Kim? Who I know Kim hasn't played the outfield in a little bit, but Kim can play the outfield is my understanding. So I don't know if I'm suddenly buying into Cruz not DHing. I don't know. And then we've seen Carpenter play left field too. Not saying he should, or right field, sorry. We've seen Carpenter play the outfield though. I'm not saying he should play the outfield at 37 years old, but I don't think that they want to carry two DH bats. It just seems like a waste of space. And then speaking of catchers, Nola was terrible last year. Nola was absolutely horrendous as a catching, as a catcher. And offensively, he had like an 88 diversity plus sub 100 sub average. He's a below average player in general. He's not good. Campisano, top prospect, put on some serious bulk this year. I think he has like four or five home runs. Maybe again, this is where my bias comes in here with Campisano. But the dude was so much better than uh, has been so much better than Nola. Nola is having a good spring. I'll give him that. I didn't even look at Nola's spring numbers because I don't care. But uh <laughs> I'd be surprised if Nola plays a large amount over Campisano. Why would you bring up one of your top prospects and a better catcher? Probably most likely a better fielding catcher at this point, too, 
to sit him in favor of Nola. Nola will play. I believe Nola has splits too that like lend him to being a good good against lefties. So maybe we see maybe we see him get those lefties plus. I know they're both righties. It doesn't really matter there, but I don't know. I have a hard time believing that they're going to play Nola long. And if they do play Nola over Campisano, I don't see it being a long term thing. So Campisano is a guy I really like. Really, really like this spring. I'm looking for his numbers. It's really bothering me. There they are. Yeah, oh, 1,022 OPS, five walks, six six strikeouts, and three home runs in his eight hits. So the power's been there. And if you look, there's some pictures circulating. He's like juiced up. He pretty much doubled the size from 2020 to now. So the power isn't going to be on accident, which is interesting. If he can hit for more power than we may be anticipated. Um, otherwise, obviously no interest in the door. Tatis comes back. And everything kind of falls into place. When Tatis comes back, I figured Tatis would come back, and that's when Cruz and Carpenter something's gonna have to give. I'm really surprised that oh, David Dahl really. I don't know. He's just he, what has what has Dahl done this? Last I looked, he wasn't. Yeah, he's having okay. Yeah, he's he he got his he got his batting average up to 288. He was really bad. He has a 34 and a half strikeout percentage though. But I guess if they want to maybe glove, his glove in right field, obviously gonna be better than uh, Carpenter. Maybe they value that. I'm just surprised that they're not gonna try to try out Kim in the right fielder. Just to just to get Cruz and Carpenter. I don't know, I'm harping on this way more than anybody cares about. Let's move on to the Rock. Oh. <laughs> the, the Rockies, I guess. They signed Mike Mustakis to get in the way because why wouldn't they? I haven't seen. I don't know if they're going to utilize him as a strong side platoon to Elias Montero. I haven't seen any real reports on that. Somebody mentioned to me yesterday that Montero was named the starter, so I'm looking up to see if there's anything about that. But I haven't seen any news on that situation. And I know they have Montero as the starter here at their base and Mustakis. I, I hope this is what they do. This is what they should do. Um, but I don't trust it, especially with the way that they think that they want to get cute with, uh, with the platoons. Mustakis and Montero both had strong springs. We'll see how this plays out sooner than later. I hope, but ultimately I do like Montero as a power source. And if the Rockies do the right thing here, they let the young kid carry over the hot spring start. And if you look at today's lineup, it looks opening day-ish. And Montero is in against a righty in Freddie Peralta over, over Moustakis. So I really like Montero here, especially if he can just keep that spot. There's no reason why they wouldn't let him run with it if he holds it. It's going to be on him, I guess. But Moustakis, just don't, just know that he's there and can factor and screw things up here. Especially, if, again, if they won't play platoons, they could. They shouldn't. Castro could factor in because I don't know what's up with Profar. I haven't seen a thing about Profar. They signed him and went dark if anybody watching knows what happened with profar please let me know but he's supposed to be playing and he's supposed to be starting and leading off i haven't seen a single update about him and i looked i haven't looked this morning so we will look this morning oh visa issues he, and he will join the rockies in time for opening day that was today at two oh so it happened while we were streaming basically good so we got that answer profar will be leading off most likely for this team so a, a guy like castro who made the team Will be factoring in on days off and stuff like that. But uh, when Randall Grishuk returns, there's no room for someone. Some, something's going to have to give. Dazzle probably ends up being the fourth outfielder. Castro gets sent down or he has two options. So we'll see. We can move on from the Rockies. I don't think. Oh, McMahon's going to gain second base eligibility. That's worth mentioning. We can move on from there, though. Oh, Tovar. Don't forget Tovar. He's going to play. He's going to start and break camp as a starting shortstop. Batting ninth, speed first, a little bit of power, nothing crazy. Let's go to the Blue Jays, shall we? This team is, you can write this team in pen for the most part. It will be interesting to see what they do with Danny Jansen. But Brandon Belt was pretty much told, like, hey, you're going to play as much as you can handle, which in my thought process is he's going to get the righties. So platoon is coming his way, but he should be the strong side. And I think he bats, he's, I think this between fourth and sixth is right. 
he's been batting cleanup all spring, so I could see I should I, I see Belt and Varsho flip flopping. But regardless, I think these two lefties are going to slot right here. The top of the lineup: Springer, Bouchette, and Guerrero is going to be the top three most days. With Chapman by no fault of his own sliding all the way down to ninth. I don't trust Whitfield, Whitfield, Whit Merrifield to last long term as a second baseman. I think Santiago Espinal can factor in, and they have a guy in Addison Barger that was supposed to break camp, did not, and he's going to need to find a way to make his way into the lineup. I don't think he plays second base. I know he plays shortstop and he plays in third base and left field, I believe, in spring. But Barger could push his way up sooner than later, which causes it, which maybe they get him some second base reps in the minors just to get him comfortable with it. Because if you can play shortstop, if you can play third base, I think you can handle learning second base. And having the range of a shortstop at second base with the new shift rules could be beneficial. And he's a lefty bat as well. But Merrifield had a strong run to end last year. I just don't know how much of a run he's going to have come the uh, come, you know, if he has another slow start to begin this year. And they have other options. Biggio's not another option, but he's on the, but he is another option, so to speak. He's going to play two games a week, maybe three, uh, fill in at, via injury, maybe some left handed at bats late in game as a, as a, if they want to get him in against a righty over Merrifield type of thing. But Espinal could easily factor in the second base sooner or later. And they mentioned he's going to factor in the second base. So he's not going to be in a strict platoon. Uh, you have, I, mean, I just saw your comment here, Fox. Thanks for, uh, I, I was, uh, I appreciate it. I just figured it out too. I think we figured it out at the same time or we piped in, uh, dropped it in there. But uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, another name to just know he's going to play. But the glove will keep him in there. Probably platoon though. We can uh, nothing really here to think to mention. I'm trying to think uh, again. It's just about Danny Jansen. I think Jansen will play enough to be a solid catcher too. I know he was going right around that fringe catcher one spot. I think he has the potential to be really good, even with a limited amount of plate appearances. And that catcher, it's all about quality over quantity for the most part, anyway. So if you can give me a quality plate appearance catcher per plate appearance catcher, I'll take that over most of the quantity guys he's going around anyway. The Orioles. Which you see is what you got right here at the top. I think this is the top four: Mullins, Rushman, Santander, uh, Santander, and Mountcastle. Mountcastle, perfect situation last year. Still only put 22 home runs up. I think he can hit 25, maybe 30, but that ballpark really hinders his potential there. And we saw it last year. Everything went right. Had over 600 play appearances. Still only hit 22 home runs. So it was with a little bit of a down second half though. So that's why I'm saying 25 to 30 is within the range of outcomes and possibilities. But 30 is really tough with that ballpark now. Uh, Rushman batting second, he's going to DH as well. So I think Rushman's going to have more play appearances than your average catcher. That's going to help vault his uh, high floor to give him a little bit more of a ceiling than your average catcher going there. But yes, I think Rushman batting second most of the time is going to happen. And I do think that adds to his value because he's going to have, again, it's all about play appearances and he brings quality along with quantity. You have Gunnar Henderson who's going to be batting fifth. I think batting, I think moving up the lineup is within the realm of possibilities there. It's just a matter of letting him get going. And Stowers factoring, it's going to be a mess there. So Vavra, as a lefty, has had a really good spring. They've been moving him all around the field. I think he's going to have a super util type of role, and I think he plays a solid maybe two to three games a week. But Stowers, I do think, opens up the year as a strong side platoon at DH and fourth outfield type. But if Vavra did took that role, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Vavra's been really really strong, really solid. Ramon Urias, same idea. He's going to play uh, some third base, some second base, but he's a righty, probably gets the weak side platoon there at second base with Frazier while factoring in on occasion. But one injury, and he's in more, more so than not. Mateo, one-trick pony. He's going to run, and his glove was so good in shortstop last year, it's going to keep him in the lineup. So I think Mateo ends up being better 
than we might have expected uh, because of playing time, not because of his actual performance. I think the I think the glove will hold him in there. But if the glove fails, he's not going to stay. His bat is not good enough to keep him in that lineup. So it's all if that defense with the shift rules again, the shift rules really benefit a guy with really good defense. So if that defense bring comes back this year as good as it was last year, Mateo will play most days at short. But just know they have. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, who can play shortstop, Ramon Urias for third base, Vavra for third base. They have options. So if Mateo is really that bad with the bat, which he can be, probably will be, uh, I wouldn't have got His draft price was way too high this year. As Agent Moldar. Okay, I got you, man. Refer to me as Agent Moldar. I hope I said that right. I will. Agent Moldar. I like it. All right. Let's move on to the, oh, yeah, another fun team, the Rays, which are like the Giants are like the Rays of the of the NL. But the Rays are the are the originators of all this chaos and they actually don't have any platoons according to this thing i don't buy it um yandy diaz will lead off and play uh first base i think and the, he'll factor into third base but i think they're going to see what they have there at isak paredes isak paredes had like a 700 ps against righties last year with like a 100 diversity plus he was serviceable i think we see him play plenty with that said i don't think the leash will be all that long because they have a guy in curtis mead who can come up and put their base top prospect really strong bat I think he can handle it. So Paredes, but, but they Paredes was a top prospect in his own right. He can crush lefties. I think he'll play. I think I, I don't see them really. Hit, I see the leash being long, but Mead shouldn't be down too long. I don't know when they gain that extra year of eligibility on Mead. But if Paredes gets hurt or struggles mightily, they probably will plug it with Tyler Walls, who they shouldn't, but they probably will. And uh, yeah, but Paredes is very interesting there. Um but let's go, let's go from top to bottom. Top four in the lineup should be in some form or fashion this against righties most days. I say against righties because low will sit against tough lefties, maybe move down a little bit. Ramirez. So this is what I was thinking about. They have five righties here. Siri, Benthancourt, who's a catcher. And obviously they have Mejia, who's a switch hitter. They could platoon easily. But um, Paredes and Margot and Ramirez. Something's got to give because I don't think they kept Josh Lowe up to not play him. To, or and he's a lefty look at these four straight righties you're gonna tell me they're not gonna get a lefty bat in there most days luke Rayleigh had a really strong spring i think that he could platoon and factor in harold ramirez deserves a shot at a full-time role again but he entered the year last year if memory serves as a weak side platoon bat so ramirez if he started off in that role again wouldn't surprise me and i don't think you mess around with margot i think someone made i would think it was jason collette made a very good comment about how siri uh or was it maybe it was uh thompson on twitter like series defense should keep them in there most days sure does that mean so does that mean margot isn't guaranteed everyday role ramirez low is gonna play is what i'm getting at lefty bat they need a lefty bat in the bottom half of that order and low had an option so it's not like they couldn't send him down you don't keep i don't think you keep low up as a fourth outfield slash bench bat that's i'm just i'm harping on that because i don't i have i just I, I, he didn't exactly earn his way up either so i don't understand why they kept him i know there's a i know there's a squeeze everywhere there's a, this team's always squeezing for players and playing time because they have so many options. It's uh, it's always a headache with that. I am not an X-Files fan. No, no, not, not a big X-Files fan. I apologize. So if someone else caught that reference, feel free to laugh at me because I did not catch the reference. But yeah, so this team, that's the fallout I see there. Uh, stud, 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 really strong, solid corner field type. Up, huge upside, power, and uh, elsewhere. Good, really big. He has like 10 stolen bases this spring. Series a huge stolen base guy. But something's got to give here for playing time for low. I I, I believe that. If you if they kept low, something's got to give there. Instead of harping on it, let's move on to the Red Sox. This was surprising. They sent down Bobby Dahlbeck and Jorge Alfaro, both of which I expected to at least be bench spots. Instead, they fill those bench spots with Yu Chang, 
who can also play the infield role pretty well, and Connor Wong, who obviously a backup catcher. So those are the guys there that will play a bunch in terms of like backup role. But to start the year, Enrique Hernandez batting ninth should happen against righties. They did mention him and Arroyo as leading off against lefties as the righty bats. Um, Cassis batting sixth looks likely with Verdugo starting off the year, getting the first shot at leading off. But both names were mentioned. So both names should factor, but I think Verdugo gets the first shot if those last few lineups in spring were any indication. But seeing those guys flip-flop wouldn't be a surprise, especially if Verdugo starts off slow. Turner in the lineup, Masataka Yoshida could also factor into the top of the lineup, but they seem intent on keeping him as a middle lineup bat. Same with Duval, uh, not with the, the lineup spot, not with the leading off part, but the middle lineup spot. And he's going to get a bunch of run. It's going to take an injury to see, uh, what's his face, Jaron Duran get, get some regular run there. Reese McGuire, second catcher type, but very, very limited in terms of potential. Arroyo, I wonder how long the playing time is going to be there because with uh, Alberto Mondesi set the return, uh, you should see probably Enrique Hernandez move to second base. Arroyo gets put back into a util type and Chang gets sent down or gets cut or something happens there because there's no room for all of them because Arroyo has no options. Chang has no options, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Ref Snyder, we saw him platoon last year. That's pretty much all his role is. But yes, yeah, so uh, we got here. <laughs> so just know Enrique Hernandez play appearances aren't going to be great. My family's home. So if there's some background noise, I apologize in advance. What should we do tomorrow is a good question. Um, watch this all over if you didn't catch it the first time around. And you're going to hear, again, you're going to hear kids in the background. Don't mind me. I'm, I'm on, I'm live streaming. Go. That's, yeah, I had to tell me. <laughs> I caught it. I muted it. I apologize. My kids. But um, anyway, so we have the DJ uh, Mayhew leading off. I think that's going to happen. Volpe did break camp with the team, and he did say he's going to bat ninth. So that's happening. Volpe is playing every day. They sent down Peraza. Peraza. Uh, Praza is Praza is uh, option. I apologize. I'm losing my train of thought here. I don't believe in this. I don't agree with this. Why is Oswaldo Cabrera down here? I think Cabrera plays every day over the likes of Hicks. I know that they love Hicks there for some reason, but Hicks is, uh, I don't see Hicks playing every day. I see Oswaldo Cabrera playing every day, um, but that's just me. Maybe it's my bias there. IKF is going to be utility. When Beta returns, there is going to be a squeeze for playing time in the outfield. That much I do know. But um, Stanton's not going to play every day in right field. LeMahieu's not going to play every day at DH. LeMahieu's going to factor all over the field. He's going to DH. He's going to first base, second base, third base. Uh, Donaldson's going to get regular rest. You're going to see Torres get regular days off. Uh, you're going to see Rizzo definitely get regular days off. And that's why LeMahieu's going to play all, a lot. But there's going to be everyone's going to get regular days off. You're going to have Cabrera playing the outfield to start the year most days. And play third base like he did last year and like we see in spring. So I like Cabrera a lot. I, I like Torres. I think Torres is being slept on because of these other middle infield types, but Torres is a guy with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. He'll, he'll never put up 2019 numbers again in terms of power, but people don't realize, maybe don't realize how good he was last year. So Torres is a guy, expect good things, even batting, and he'll be, he's batting fifth in this lineup. It's a really solid uh, roster spot here. Somebody mentioned, Robert mentioned, I disconnected. No. Uh, oh, you disconnected. Lefties? Uh, I'm guessing you meant the Rays. Rays against lefties, I'm expecting. I, I'll go back real quick. The Rays against lefties, I'm expecting. I expect this type of lineup against, against lefties for sure for the Rays. But against righties, I think low plays most days. They didn't keep them up for no reason. But the left the lineup you're seeing here with Paredes, uh, Siri, Magart, Margot, a righty heavy split here. Uh, so back to the Yankees, I think that's everything. But Oswaldo Cabrera is a guy I really like. I wanted to make sure I hit that home, hit the nail on the head on that one. 
Uh, Rizzo, yeah, so this is what you should expect the lineup to look like probably too with uh, LeMahieu leading off, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, Torres. I really do think that's going to happen. Then kind of fill in the blanks here at the end. This this rotation's a mess right now. Um, and we're talking rotations today, so we're going to skip ahead, but that rotation is absolutely horrendous in terms of just like compare what it should be. So you have uh, this team, write it in pen, man. It's been like this all spring. Quan, Rosario, J Ram, Josh Bell, Naylor. I love Naylor this year. I do think he will platoon at times. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like a, a full set platoon, but he's gonna platoon. Same thing with Andres Mahimenez. He's gonna not play against every single uh righty or lefty, but uh you have guys like Will Brennan, very solid bat on the bench. He needs an injury though. This team is so full, he needs an injury for a regular role. But Brennan, very good bat to ball skills, power, speed, combination, guy that you really want to have your eye on on your watch list or stashed in deeper formats. Gabriel Arias, Arias Arias, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. I apologize. But uh he's gonna factor into that utility role. Think Owen Miller. Think a guy that can play second base, uh, third base, probably some he played some outfield this spring too. I think he's a good guy for DCs. So, like, if you have him late in draft champions leagues, which are fifth with which are drafting whole leagues where there's 750 players drafted, uh, he's a perfect guy to have there because he's going to play, but sporadically. And an injury, he's kind of like if J Ram goes down again, he's that guy that's going to fill in for J Ram. I think so. Keep so keep that. Uh, um, and you meant red. You meant Red Sox. Okay, even better. So let's go back to the Red Sox real quick. Sorry. So we're going to talk about left, Red Sox against lefties before we move on here to the. Uh, I think we're. Oh, before we move back to the central. So against lefties, uh, Enrique Hernandez and Arroyo will, will lead off. I'm sorry, I have to look at the roster now because I'm, I'm just kind of running off, running on fumes at this as we get through these teams. So the Royals, Bobby Witt, Melendez, one, two. We've seen it all spring. That should continue. Sal Perez, Vinny P, top four for sure. Dozier, probably in the probably the five spot. Now this is where it gets interesting because against lefties, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Fermo Reyes made the team. They value defense apparently in the outfield. From what I've talked to some of the some of those uh, some of those uh, few Royals fans that exist, <laughs> Jackie Bradley Jr. will play the field, but Fernando Reyes will at least be a strong a weak side platoon bat. He had a pretty decent spring, but it's still Fernando Reyes. He is twenty seven years old, big power upside. A year about a year or so removed from a good year. So to say he's completely toast could be a little premature. But at the end of the day, he is nothing more than an AL only type of name. But Fran Mel Reyes, if he has a strong start or gets some playing time that we don't maybe foresee happening, could be an interesting spec for power. Jackie Bradley Jr. is not good. Nicky Lopez is not good for fantasy purposes. These guys will factor in as defensive replacements and help on defense and be just um, some depth. Matt Duffy, the fact that he's going to platoon, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past this team, but it's a terrible terrible idea michael massey's interesting a little bit of pop a little bit of speed he flashed it as well when he came up last year so i think he could be a solid little middle infield option he's been going late in drafts as a middle infielder i think there is some upside there edward olivares is finally freed because it's always been like a free edward olivares and he you know he's learned he learned his way to and from triple a and back quite a bit he he learned he learned that route i should say so hopefully we see the best of him Kyle spell defensively they're going to give him a shot to play at center field. And they're going to give him every bit, every chance to run with it. But Drew Waters will return from his oblique. And then I think Drew Waters gets that spot back. So Espel could be a short-term thing, or it could turn into Olivares, Espel, Platoon. This team beyond the top five will mix and match these. I think Massey will play more times than not, though. So I think Massey's rather safe. Eaton, speed first type of guy, kind of a one category type. He can give you some batting average, but it's really speed or bust with Eaton. Uh, okay. Just make sure I didn't miss any questions. Let's move on to where we at oh, up here. The Tigers. 
The Tigers, Nick Matone leading off. I can honestly see that. They've been showing us Carpenter leading off. They've been showing us Beerling leading off. But Matone's been getting the most leadoff run, and he should gain third base eligibility, which is very helpful. He's having a good spring, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. He could go 10 10 type of thing. And where you're getting him, or he's not even going drafting in most places, he could have some little sneaky uh, fantasy appeal in a pinch, especially in deeper formats. Torkelson has my attention mostly because he had a mental health coach he hired this offseason. He's been hitting the cover off the ball. Let's see if that can finally convert into production at the big league level. He's still only 23 years old. Uh, Miguel Cabrera probably will play more than, than we hope because um, guys like Verling, I'd rather see. Guys like Carpenter, I'd rather see. But if if this holds true, which probably does, Carpenter, Verling, I think Verling enters the year as a strong as a weak side platoon bat for these guys, for one of these guys. But he's having a good spring too, and he could factor in as a regular more sooner than later. Riley Green was a guy I'm interested in because uh, I drafted him last night as well, but more so because he's another guy that if he could just elevate the ball more, I think there's big things. And he's another guy that has, we've seen seven extra base hits out of 16. So, and he's having a really good spring four home runs, one stone base. So he's showing the power and speed a little bit. I think we see that year form from him, that 2010 type of year. That's 260 ish. I could see all that happening. I really like Riley Green this year. And I say 20 home runs, I think there's room for more, but that ballpark, even with the dimensions changed, I think Riley Green could s- still be hindered by it because it's still a big ballpark. Uh, Javier Baez, will he bounce back is the big question. He's going so late in drafts that you can get him as a middle, a middle infielder. It's There's a little risk there, but uh, Baez did play through injury last year, and he had a decent finish to the year. A Baez bounce back. If he went 2010, shouldn't surprise anybody. Problem is he might hit 230 in the process. Uh, Scope plays every day. If you're looking for play appearances, that's a guy to know. But Matone, I like him deep, deep, deep league sleeper as a because he's going to gain third base eligibility and he's going to play probably almost every day. They made the Phillies are probably wishing they had Verling and Matone right about now. Poor Phillies. Um, twins. This we talked about Larnick a little bit, but we'll talk about it again. Larnick should start the year with a with rather regular role. You have Buxton starting the year injured. You have or sorry DHing. You have Polanco on the IL, Kirilov on the IL. Gallo will play first base and gain eligibility there. Um, let me pull up his, let me pull up the, share this, the twins lineup. Cause I know he's been hitting towards the top of the lineup, but I think he's just, I think it's going to move around first lefties. He obviously won't hit at the top, but he could like leading off is not out of the question. Look, you'll see, you've seen Gallo leading off a lot. Um, and he led off recently there. And this was with a look at this lineup. This was a full lineup against a righty and he was leading off. So seeing him lead off with semi full lineups, especially with that lineup, that very last lineup that we saw, uh, here in spring Gallo leading off isn't out of the realm of possibility against righties. Against lefties, he probably sits. But then you're like, for who? They don't really have outfield depth. Willie Castro? Like, they don't have the outfield depth right now to platoon these guys. So to start the year, I think Gallo would be the guy. Oh, I, I say, look at it. Like, you're, like you see this. Uh, I'll share this time. So I'm saying, like, look, the outfield depth is lacking. Willie Castro is their only outfielder projected to be on their bench. So Nick Gordon can play the outfield, but he's a lefty as well. So Gallo might have early run, but I think if anybody platoons, it is Gallo, not Gordon and not Kepler. I think Kepler has a regular role. Could see Larnick also platoon. But Michael A. Taylor, early in the year, has a role. He's not flashy, but a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. Nick Gordon's my favorite. He should play as much as he can handle. And last year, he played, I think, six or seven positions. So Gordon's going to play almost full-time at bats anyway, regardless if he has second base to call home or not. So Nick Gordon's one of my favorites this year. And I just this whole time I've had this thing up. That's fine. I've had that up the whole time. Good thing it hasn't blocked anything. Um, but yeah, Larnick, very, very good spring, some power there. That's I'm pulling up his stats from spring. And that's what caught my attention because Larnick has been a guy with some hype in the past. So if he can carry the spring over and the playing time, I mean, we're talking four home runs, 
1,130 OPS, 350 batting average, not striking out much at all. Just a great spring training. Same thing, but a lot of teams are hitting great in spring. Miranda's having a good spring. Farmer had a big spring. Kepler had a big spring. Kepler's also walking almost as much as he's striking out four to five, a couple home runs. Caught stealing, so maybe there's some stolen base juice. Maybe he'll try. I doubt it, though. But yes, and I love this. I love this rotation. Fantasy very friendly for drafts, and I think there's a lot of win potential here. So yes, this team, uh, although injuries are hindering it, I think there's a lot of solid fantasy production and potential here. The White Sox. Right, this team in pen too. Everyone knows if you know my content at all, you know I love Eloy Jimenez this year. I think he's in DH more now that they kept Colas. Oscar Colas should play right field more times than not. And that should keep I mean Jimenez is gonna play the field, but just not as much as maybe we we thought because of the whole I want to play more outfield. And then he has suffered a freaking calf cramp while playing the outfield. Like, no thanks. I don't know if I, I'm not doing it. I, I'm like, but thank goodness, I think this is gonna be the lineup. They mentioned Ben Tenny batting, batting third, they like him there. Uh Luis Robert Ro- Robert, Robert, sorry, Robert is how you pronounce it. Luis Robert is how you pronounce it, I believe. Uh, Tim Anderson, like, yeah, this should be what we expect. Yohan Mankata, I mean, he's going to bat fifth or sixth in the lineup. It is what it is. I think that's very, that's a very solid spot. Vaughn comes into the year for the first time with a set role, knowing his position, getting a chance to be comfortable and playing a good first base. I think Vaughn's going to have that breakout year. He's just going to fall into place. He was a bat first prospect, and now he's not learning a new position. He's not being toyed with from La Russa. I think Vaughn gets everyday run and really takes off this. Sh- and then Elvis Andrews, he's going to gain second base eligibility. Know that a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. And if you remember crazy, crazy hot finish to start to finish the year last year. So a good, a good bet to uh, have as a middle infielder entering the year. And again, gains eligibility with King Gallo hitting leadoff. Unfortunately, agent Maldar, Maldar if I'm probably saying it wrong, <laughs> unfortunate, unfortunately Fox, I think so, but it's because of the on-base skills. And obviously you can whiff as much as you want, but he walks a ton, hits for power, and the shift band might help him hit 210 instead of 200. Um, in terms of depth, Sheets probably comes the first guy up in terms of like playing the uh, outfield first base. Grandall this off offseason was actually very interesting. He took on a new he took on a new conditioning approach to actually get into shape and play. So uh We'll see if and help him stay healthy. So we'll see if that happens. Had a really strong spring last night. Looked drafted him last night as well. So I am buying into that a little bit. Plus, I mean, a lot of power upside there. He still has it just because he's old as me. He doesn't have the power. Let's go Angels. Home stretch here. Five more teams. And this is another team that's kind of just easy to do. What you see is what you got. I am curious to see how they treat Jake Lamb and Rangifo. I think Rangifo is a weak side platoon. They even started Lamb over him yesterday with the news of, uh, and Walsh is a short time. I think it's a, it's a migraine thing. So I think he's a short time injury thing. Oh, Hoppy is going to start. It's going to be on him to, to keep it because here's the thing. You have Matt Thice, no options. You have him with three. So when Stasi, when Stasi, I think it's Stasi, when Stasi, when Max Stasi returns, he's going to demand a spot. He's going to still factor in as a catcher, even if it's a second catcher. Ohapi's the only one here with options. So it might be a short-term look for Ohapi, but we'll see. So just keep that in mind when you're drafting or, or, or rostering them. Jake Lamb, to start the year, I believe he made the team, actually. It was with a report yesterday. So he could start off with a strong side platoon. Power, AL only, but very little, very, very little interest there. Uh, but yeah, Rangifo, terrible against righties last year. Was a bench bat for a reason. Got an opportunity. Crushes lefties, so we'll see him against lefties. Uh, had like 800, over 800 OPS against them, but like a sub-7, like a 650 OPS or less against righties. Uh, Rangifo's being drafted as a starter most places. I wouldn't be looking to do that. I don't believe in it. But the rest of his lineup is as expected. Ward leading off. Renfro batting fifth. Rendon, as long as he's healthy, will clean up. Hit clean up. This was the surprise. I didn't think Urshela would be starting at shortstop. I But 
I'm not, I guess it's because I don't know if David Fletcher is going to be healthy, but yes. So Rochella gains an everyday role, which is nice. And they don't really have a better bat there anyway. So it's a matter of uh, how the defense holds up there, but ultimately Rochella has some AL only appeal. Some uh, in a pinch in a very in a, like early leagues that you drafted. If you drafted him, you know, he's going to play, which is nice. And everyone loves Detmers. I'm not going to, I have nothing to say about him right now. I mean, it is what it is. He's a good pitcher. I mean, I think he's, I think he's going to break out, but yeah, we're not talking pitchers. We're going through the lineup here. Whew, uh, Pena, Tucker, Bregman, Jordan, Abreu. I wish this would be the case. Something tells me Dusty's going to dusty this and move Tucker down, Pena down, and randomly insert some person here at second base. I don't know if Hensley has the second base job. If you look at the lineups, I don't know if they had any today, but we're going to look at the lineups together. I'm going to look at So let's pull up this latest. Let's pull up the latest lineups for Houston and talk about this because this caught my attention last night when I was writing my article which you can check out on The Athletic, which has all this, all this in written form, basically. But let's share this time. So if you look up Dubon, look where he's been playing to finish off the year. Second base, second base, second base, second base. Second base with a main... And look, Tucker can't freaking bet second even in the lineup. It doesn't count. Tucker, that is just frustrating. Look, this lineup, this is the one that caught my attention. Jordan batting second, this one. So if, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Tucker batting fifth because Dusty does not like the bat at the top of the lineup. I don't know what it is, and I'm just get, I'm basing it off of track record. I believe last year, even with all the injuries, Tucker still batted fifth like 84 times or something, some big number like that. So he likes Tucker in that 5-6 spot. He batted there last year, even with the injuries piling up, I think a total of like 118 of his starts, 120 of his starts, something like that. So batting fifth for Tucker isn't out of the, or isn't out of the, out of the expectations, but also Tucker likes Dubon. He just does. I don't know why. I can't explain it. He shouldn't. But Dubon, I think, gets the first crack at the second base spot over Hensley. It's stupid, but it is what it is. And our fantasy teams don't matter to them. So, but uh, Myers, McCormick, and that's the thing. Durden can factor into this. Uh, Dubon can factor into all this. Um, and so can Hensley. I think it's going to be a bunch of names in this bottom half here just moving around until they figure it out. And going back to the Tucker at five spot thing. They probably want to get another lefty down here anyway and not have to depend on these lefties. So we'll see. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But yes, uh, Brantley, we know when he's healthy, he's slotting into the two spot. And obviously, Altuve will lead off. So then these guys definitely will slot back down to the bottom half when everyone's healthy. But yeah, do I wanted to bring up that Dubon thing. I keep showing, I keep doing this whole showing off. That's what I'm talking about here, right here. So right here, there's a whole bunch of righties. I can see Tucker batting fifth because they want, you want to get a lefty lower in the lineup. Then go righty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty. I could see that happening to start the year. Just to give them some, not have to give them six straight, sorry, six straight righties to turn over a lineup because you have five here and then the leadoff man being a righty. They have other lefties up. But yeah, like I said, Durden, all these guys here, Henson, Hensley, sorry, Dubon, they're all Jake Myers. All this will, they'll all factor in. It's going to be a mess. And you'll have some Matijevich. I can't say. Um, you'll have him factor into the mess as well. It's just a lot of mess and a lot of frustration to deal with here early on for the Astros. Um, athletics, what everyone was waiting for. There's actually a lot of intrigue here for me, in my opinion. You have Tony Kemp leading off. Yes, Estuary Ruiz batting ninth should happen. I think he's a one category, possibly two, depending on batting average, but a one category producer. Shaylen Gleers is going to gain catcher eligibility right away. I So if you draft him, for he'll have Utah only in, in NFBC formats. Just know it's going to be two weeks, and then he'll be your catcher too. So make a plan for that. Uh, Nick Allen and... Ledmus Diaz, I guess Diaz could bat second. I'm not surprised if you, I mean, it's the A's, anything can happen. I'm surprised Loreano doesn't, but we'll see. Um, Diaz could bat second, and it's going to be some weird platoon mix between the two of them. It's a mess. I don't like that. But then Seth Brown, Aguilar, this Ryan Noda guy, I know he's a Rule 5 pick, but he has like a 40% strikeout rate in spring. He has huge power-ups. So the guy can hit 45 bombs. 
but he can't hit the ball enough to do so is the problem. So the power isn't a question. It's the fact that he struck out like 28% in AAA last year. And in the pros, that's going to translate to like 35% probably. And I don't know how long they're going to give him run when you have a guy like Connor Kappel, who's the complete opposite. Kappel can play the outfield, will factor in as a fourth outfielder, but he is a lefty too. So if Noda struggles, they can move Aguilar to first base. They could put Seth Brown at first base, and Kappel should be playing sooner than later. I really like Connor Kappel this year. There's power, there's speed, there's a strong hit tool and strong play discipline. A lot to like from Connor Kappel. No reason why he shouldn't be making this team and starting over the likes of a over the likes of Orion Noda, but Noda will get some run, and there's a lot of power upside, but man, I don't know how long it's going to last if he can't make contact. Nick Allen, like I mentioned, some weird platoon with Diaz could just be seriously striking a strong side, a weak side platoon, even though they're both righties. Other than that, yeah, I wanted to bring up Capel. And Loriano possibly batting sixth or seventh is actually very possible. He's been doing it all spring. So him not batting second over Diaz, although surprising, is possible. So just know that when you're factoring that into your projections. He should still hit for power and hit for, and get some speed, but it's not going to be as... It was played appearances were part of the intrigue there, and they might not be as plentiful as we hoped for to start the year. Colton Wong's going to bat second, from my guesses. Uh, the way they've, the last three or four lineups, it's been J-Rod leading off, Colton Wong batting second, and considering that it's it would let them go righty-lefty, righty-righty, and then I think they're going to put Cal Rally here to bat, you know, switch to lefty-righty, lefty-righty, so it gives them more lefty-righty up and down lineup. But this is what you're seeing. Kelnick's going to get full run. Haggerty... I do expect him and Hummel to factor in versus lefties at the very least, but Hummel can play some catcher. So hopefully he gets some, he could be a sneaky Blake Sable type because there's power speed. He could play all over the field. Cooper Hummel is a poor man's Blake Sable. So if you're interested, I have a few shares. If you're interested in Hummel, that's going to be intriguing. Haggerty Crawford's dealing with injury, but Haggerty played some shortstop second base. I think first base is the spring uh, third. I don't know if he played third base this spring, but he played outfield. My point is, is Haggerty's getting the full Dylan Moore treatment. What that means is Haggerty, as long as Dylan Moore's out, could play enough between weak side platoon, rest days, et cetera, to gain eligibility elsewhere. There's some speed there, some power, some interesting skill set if the playing time is there. I don't think it's going to be there right away, but it could be there if there's an injury or if any injuries linger. So Haggerty's a name I have circled and Hummel as well, because again, Hummel can get, gain that catcher eligibility. That's huge. And then, uh, but yeah, so that's going to be the lineup there. Nothing really, it's kind of cut and dry. Pollock is Asia Pollock's going to bet towards the bottom lineup and have some playing time there. And the Rangers are another team. Very, very, you know what you're getting. Robbie Grossman's being slept on. I know he's not great, but he's going to play every day. There's a little, like, you know, power speed. We know he has a little bit of both. And bottom of the lineup, they're going to have the manufacturer runs. He will be running. Bubba Thompson is a short term uh, stolen base guy because uh, as soon as uh, Leody Tavares, Tavares is ready to come back, that's Tavares' spot, I, in my opinion. You have really good bench options in Josh Smith and Ezekiel Duran, both of which will factor for rest days, platoons, et cetera. I don't think Brad Miller is going to DH regularly. I think what they started doing was kind of everyone. I think Garver's going to get more DH at bats, even against righties. And then Garver's going to gain catcher eligibility because he has been catching in spring, showing he's healthy. I think it's Heim's, Heim's job. I think Heim is the catcher. I think Garver's going to be the second catcher, get eligibility. And look, they don't have another option. So he's going to be the second catcher. He's going to gain eligibility. And that alone warrants reason the roster room as a second catcher. But in one catcher leagues, I don't think he's going to be good enough to be a top 12, top 10 guy. So I would just keep him on the watch list and go from there. Grossman will play. I really like Josh Young. Josh Young, I'm a real big fan of his. I think there's some fun power upside there. Some He was a top prospect. Shoulder injury hindered his rookie season. He barely played. And when he did play, he didn't look great. Spring's been really good to him. We're seeing some uh, some 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 of that prospect shine and pedigree or some of that possible pedigree shine through i do think josh young could be a sneaky sleeper that people just kind of people move on fast from from prospects you know what i mean oh and real back real, real quick talking about kelnick 
it is what it is. The tools are flashy. He's having a huge spring. Nobody's arguing the big spring. It's the fact that the power and speed isn't the question. The strikeouts are. He wasn't striking out a bunch this spring, but he never struck out a lot against minor league pitching. So early on, we're looking at the strikeout rate for Kelnick. But hopefully the strong spring can carry itself over into the regular season there. And now time to talk about my main event drafts. So those up. So we talked about all 30 teams. I am tired, but we're going to talk about my main event because I promised this. So it's a long episode, but it's going to be a fun one. So I guess we're going to have to just, I don't know which one. I guess I'll, I can't share the whole screen. Oh, this is annoying. Okay. So we're going to share, I guess, share this tab. So this is my team. Um, I was trying to think of how to do this because I have, I have both pulled up round by, we'll do round by round and overall team at the end. We'll share, share this tab. So this is my round. So I picked second, right? I wanted to give it in a way that wasn't just colors. I want to be able to go back and forth from team context and stuff. So I picked second. I took Acuna when he fell. Easy power speed all the way around. Like that was like, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be an MVP finalist this year. In the main events, pitching gets pushed up. And for those who don't know what a main event is, it's a big league, 15 teamer. You're uh, five by five roto. There is free agency via fab, but there are no trades. So you draft your team. You try to build the most complete team. Obviously, there's an overall aspect as well. I say obviously as if those listening expect I know know this, but ultimately that's the deal here. So I tried building the most complete and overall team here, tried to hit on everything while simultaneously uh, you know, trying to project forward on some of these players. So obviously Acuna was an easy pick. Woodruff Gossman, I double tap pitching here. Pitching gets way pushed up in these formats. So I passed on Devers in the third round, actually, to get Gosman. Maybe that's a mistake, but um again, I trust my process and I thought, but I, that's what I thought I was worth mentioning in this league. Um, so then because I, because again, what I just did, you saw the content. If those still watching the content I just did was what I do all season long. So hitting is what I keep on top of. I'm really keen on hitters. I wanted to go pitching heavy. So I took Darvish in the third as my third SP and a 15 teamer. That's really strong. I was going to take Eloy here. Eloy Jimenez was, he's my guy. He fell here, but so did said Mullins. I look at Cedric Mullins. I have him ranked higher than Eloy. I, I was like, okay, so with Ronald Cunha Jr., you have Cedric Mullins and Cunha. You're 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 getting speed. You're getting some power. He's not zero. You're getting more runs. I'm securing runs, which are hard to stream. I'm securing stolen bases, which I think everyone says everyone thinks stolen bases are going to be up, but that might not happen. I mean, that might happen, but it might happen for the good players. So more than just these random crappy players. So I didn't want. I, I didn't mind securing speed. Now I'm like, okay, cool. Now I know I need power. Willie Adams comes around. That's a 30 home run bat. We saw it happen before. He and he's and he's not a zero for power. But again, now I know I have batting average issues. So I'm looking at Cunha. I'm looking at Cedric Mullins. I'm looking at Willie Adams. I'm like, oh, got some batting average question marks here. However, I addressed power. I know I have runs. Adams has some RBI upside. I know he bats like second in the lineup, so that the RBIs are minimal. So I'm like, all right, cool. I know I need some power. I still need more pop. I know Cunha's not a zero for pop. Cunha can hit 32. He's gonna hit 30 home runs probably as well. But you get, you get my point. Like I want power is going to fly off boards faster than speed however i didn't want to leave this area without a closer clay holmes fell to me in a spot i did not expect him to 92nd overall that was a little higher than most of his than most of where he was going so clay holmes is my first closer i really like clay holmes this year i think he's gonna be a top five closer and you're getting him outside like closer to like the 10th rank uh sean murphy and of course with all the injuries popping up for closer hendricks edwin diaz it was and made closers go up, and somehow he fell anyway. And then, of course, I waited till pick 120. It's a two-catcher format, so Sean Murphy was there, and he was the t- very – for me, he was the end of a tier. I did not want to leave my draft without a top 10 to 12 catcher, and I got one. And then, of course, to pile on pitching, because, again, I remember I told you pitching was something I wanted to focus on. I took Jesus Lazardo, so now I have four guys I value, I value, and I'm big on Jesus Lazardo, and I wanted upside. I have a very, very safe floor in Woodruff, 
in uh, Woodruff, Gossman, Darvish. So I wanted to get a very safe. I wanted to take my upside pick, my breakout pick, a guy who has legitimate top 20 starting pitcher upside that you're getting outside the top 20 and Lazardo. He probably top 15 upside, I would say, but it's all about health. Regardless, I got Lazardo as my SP4. I felt great about that. And I'm like, all right, cool. Now it's time to start smacking some hitting. Um, I got another guy I told you I believed in, Jonathan India. Stolen bases, batting average, great American ballpark. He's going to play. And that's kind of what you want. And you want that ballpark. You want to attack that ballpark. And you want power. He's not a zero for power either. But again, now I know I have realized, like, oh, here I go. I have no home runs. I, I'm lacking power. I'm lacking RBI. So I decided to approach that a little bit with Matt Chapman. Now batting seventh, sixth, seventh in the lineup. The RBIs won't be as good as I would like. However, I addressed power and I addressed RBI. However, batting average might be a concern again. I'm hoping that the the, the shift rules and the – I know he's a righty, but maybe the shift rules, I'm just hopeful. And then the new park uh, park factors in that field can help with the power and maybe some bad bit lucky hits much more off the wall. Closures got pushed up. I jumped ADP by like 100, by like 60 picks for Carlos Estevez. So wrong one. Carlos Estevez, because I believe he's going to close and get me 20 plus saves. And I wanted a solid second closer. I didn't want to play that closer waiting game. So I have two closers now. I have four starting pitchers and I have to build my offense. And now I have to go to my strength, right? So more. So then now I got a guy that I think hit 20 to 25 home runs. He could hit 30, but I'm not banking on it. I'd say 20 to 25 and get you like 80 plus RBIs. That's Josh Naylor. I'm, I know he will platoon at times or maybe platoon full-time. I don't care. 550 play appearances is still within an easy full-time strong side platoon uh, uh, guy. I think that there's some serious power upside there. I like him. Loriano, not a huge Loriano guy, but I liked where he was going and more power, more speed. But And it, he should be decent batting average. It's the RBIs that are going to be lackluster. So I think one thing I realized real quick here is I'm going to struggle with RBI. And that's going to be frustrating to try. You can't. It's hard to make that up. So RBIs are going to be a pain. I'm going to have to try to find a middle of the lineup guy. Josh Josh Young, if he's batting fifth, like I expect him to, that can help me make it up. Lord Escorial Jr. also wanted some batting average help here. So batting average help, and he's batting third. So there goes, again, I'm gaining some RBI help here. Lord Escorial batting third all year. If he stays healthy, that's probably 80-plus RBIs as well. Uh, Josh Young batting fifth in a good Texas lineup, at least the top half. Could be another you know, 80-plus RBIs. So I'm not exactly, it's not weak. I'm not strong there. Nick Gordon batting towards the bottom of the lineup. More power, a little pop, a little bit of speed, but he's just going to be whatever. Oswaldo Cabrera, same idea, a little power, a little speed, batting towards the bottom third line, but it's Yankee Stadium. So, uh, Will Benson, power speed as well. See, he's this is my now we're in the reserve rounds. Um, oh, Sonny Gray was my SP5. I really like that upside, huge, a lot of upside there. We know the health is a question, but it shouldn't be uh, worried about where he's going because where he's going, I like where uh, I like taking a shot there. Justin Steele, another guy I like, and Pepio, another guy I like. I wanted to stream pitchers off my bench. I went with I went into the idea of like, I'm gonna stream pitchers off my bench, so I don't have to stream play stream because again, pitching is my weakness. I wanted to address my weakness, and that's why I went with uh, that's why I went with what I went with there with the bench. But then before Will Benson made the team, I took a shot on him. We're talking about big upside here, power and speed. I really was happy there. Brad Boxberger was just this. I'm I'm a to not take a zero week one in pitching because week one for these formats. Four games, not every starter is going to play. So uh, so I really wanted – and I wanted to see not only will he get – maybe he factors into the closer role. I know Fulmer's the favorite, but you never know. That's all that was. He'll, he'll be a drop sooner than later, more than likely. Brian Bayo, another guy I'm, – I'm, I'm, that's my stash. 
I decided to Shash Bayo upside, and I have a week or two to play with in terms of having enough pitchers to stream. Kyle Gibson starts against the Red Sox. I don't know if I'm going to go there and try that, but it is an option week one. And Gibson is having a decent spring and says he feels better than he's felt in a while. I think it was uh, something to do with his uh, mechanics. Max Kepler, a my guy, and I expect him to bat fourth. So remember how I mentioned I'm weak, a little weak on power, a little weak on RBI. I think Max Kepler is going to be a starter for me starting week one and as a util, and I'm going to try to capitalize on his batting, uh, on his playing time and where he's hitting the lineup and hope that the breakout I believe is there is going to be there. Same with Coop Campisano is my second catcher. I already fabbed. I already got rid of J.D. Davis, who's my, who's my Mr. Relevant, second to last pick of the draft. Um, I ended up putting it for a $1 bid on Sal Freelich, which didn't work out because Freelich was then optioned the next day. So, and Matt Brash, another guy just to take, uh, not take zeros week one, but also sneaky to factor into saves. I think Munoz is not going to be the main closer. I think he's going to be more of a multi-inning guy or a high leverage guy that I think DePoto himself has said that, which leaves Matt Brash and Seawald. And I think Seawald is the favorite and will get most of the saves, but we also see this team likes to spread them out. I think Brash is also going to factor into the ninth. And because of that, I want Brash, and he's a guy that I will stash beyond one week, but he's also a guy that gets four games, and I can plug him in over a starter that's questionable to play week one or a star, a crappy streamer. So ultimately, I like my team. I think it's very safe. I do. I am scared that the home run RBI combination might be a little on the weak side, but I think I'm underestimating how many home runs I'll get because I keep forgetting that Acuna is going to hit a good amount. Chapman's going to hit a good amount. Naylor's going to hit some. You have um, if 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 I'm right about Kepler and Guriel, there's some there Cabrera. I just think RBIs might be an issue, and that sucks because RBIs are tough to stream. And I that's where Eloy would have been perfect here. I really wish I took Eloy there in a sense, but at the same time, oh yeah, Thomas is gonna hit a good amount too. At the same time, I really value Mullins' skill set, so um, I probably should have attacked the middle rounds a little better with uh, um, try to get more. I mean, Murphy's gonna bat fourth, so that helps with RBI a little bit. But he's a catcher and he's only playing so many games. At the end of the day, I do like my team. I think it's going to be competitive. And I think I can address offense off the waiver wire enough to uh, make up for some shortcomings in some spots. Oh, and Bryce, of course, I got Bryce Terang in the reserves. But that's more of a speed guy, batting average guy. Batting ninth, he's not going to help me where I need help from day one. But I, I just, I, it's going to take a little bit of work. And you're always going to be, here's the thing in a 15 teamer, you're always going to be weak somewhere. I decided to be weak. I decided, I guess, without realizing it, RBI might be where I'm weak. But I think I, I can't. I took such an overall approach to it, so it's just a. I tried to build a quality, like just no real holes type of team. I'm hoping that by doing that, I can fill in the blanks and gain strengths off either a, like I said, Benson, Terang breakout. Like I hope they can. Kepler is the sleeper I expect him to be. Guriel breaks out like I think he can. I'm banking on one of those guys hitting, and if not, being able to utilize my skill set and understanding rosters to attack hitting off the waiver wire uh that's where i'm going that's I, i'm using my strengths because again a 15 teamer this deep of a league you're going to be weak somewhere everyone has weaknesses somewhere i made sure pitching wasn't made sure closers weren't and i made sure i had my speed and my other stuff capitalized like i said batting average is a little bit random but i think batting average i'm not really too worried about it. it's more, I'm more worried about rbi because that's just Derek hall was drafted nelson cruz is available but meh like I'm not going that route. So it's like, you can see, like I'm already kind of like my options are limited. I'm going to have to wait for a guy to break out or hope that one of the guy, my guys hit. So hour and a half. I appreciate those who watched the whole way through. If not, I'm actually uploading this to a, a podcast. So appreciate you all listening. Appreciate you all watching. I'm going to, it'll be the YouTube video will be live in a, like an hour or so. So uh, for those who want to rewatch it, it'll be there. Appreciate it. And we will talk. To-